show where music, human performance, and life intersect in a shared personal stories. I am Benny Collins, and each week I invite a guest to choose three songs that have shaped their life in one way or another and to share the stories behind these songs and the meanings that they hold for them. Outside of this podcast, I work in the field of sports psychology as a mental performance coach. So what that means is I support performers such as athletes and performing artists and executives on working through any sort of mental obstacles that they might be facing uh, by introducing sports psychology techniques and, and models and skills and theories and all that good stuff, but also just collaborating and co-thinking up different solutions that might work and making some changes here and there to help optimize their strengths and fully realize their performance. A lot of fun stuff. But the uh, interesting finding slash technique that I'm going to share here for this one, for this episode, comes from a conversation I had recently with uh, an athlete talking about his experience where his sport at one point became less fun and started to feel more like a job than an enjoyable experience. And I think this is something that a lot of us have experienced, whether we are a musician. um, And I think thinking more for those that are professional musicians or those that are really needing to continue creating music um, in their own, in their own way is that whatever you're grinding on something for a long time, it can start to feel more like a chore and you start to lose a little bit of, of why you're, you're doing it in the first place. When I think about athletes, the whole point of, of sports from when we're kids is that it's fun. We're doing it because we enjoy it. It's, it's kind of that simple. And, and I think later as we grow up, we become a little bit more self-aware, we're aware of others. And so there may be some social context in there, some social currency that we're trying to gain. But the baseline in the very beginning, it's all about, hey, this is fun. I like this. It makes you feel good. And this is a realization that this athlete kind of found on his own and is that he needs to kind of go back to having fun. And he put his focus on having fun and kind of made that a mantra for himself. And just like that, he was able to kind of become more grounded in the foundation of where it all began for him and where that fun really originated from. from. And he really locked in on that and he had a good experience. And so that's what I wanted to share is that little story, but also kind of put that out there for all of you is if you're ever in a position or a situation where you just realize like, hey, man, this is is just not, this feels like a job. And it shouldn't feel like a job. I should be having fun making food for others. I should be having fun writing a song or singing, even by myself in the shower, whatever it is. Find your joy in whatever you do, whether it literally is your job or if it's not your job, just find your joy. And that's, in my opinion, I feel like that can always be a grounding thing and kind of a guiding light for why you do what you do. But switching gears to my guests for this week, I am joined by Mr. Wade Underwood. Wade, he, him, is a songwriter, producer, creating imaginative pop music under the name Sweet Blood. After formative years playing in garage bands around Fergus Falls, Minnesota, he has since recorded and performed extensively in the Twin Cities and around the greater Midwest. Wade brings both a drummer's vantage point and plenty of beginner's pluck to his own musical project, resulting in a world of layered synths, funky guitar, and cascading hooks. By day, Wade produces explainer videos for nonprofits and mission-driven businesses with Next Day Animations. He lives in Duluth, Minnesota, on Dakota and Anishinaabe land. This conversation with Wade definitely, definitely relates to fun and joy. Two of the three songs that he spoke about really brought up a lot of those sensations and were just kind of key characteristics of the stories that he shared. 
which which is really enjoyable. It is fun. I feel like I've said those two words so many more times in the last two minutes than I that I have in the last two days. Um, not because of any particular reason, like things are going well, but it's just yeah, good things are good. Fun things are fun, and so it's it's great to just stack it up. And I think with Wade in this conversation, we did it. He did it. We we stacked it up. All right. Enough. Enough is enough. Here is Wade. Wade, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Benny. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Happy to see you. How how was your day? Let's start with that. How was your day? You know, uh, it was mostly pretty good. I am uh, here in Duluth, Minnesota, where the last couple of days have been pretty chilly. Uh, and this weekend, I was in Palm Springs, California. And so I, I'm still getting over the shock, you know, of, of winter, even though I fully know what I'm in for being, being a Minnesotan, but you know, that big, uh, big of a temperature change <laughs> still has me reeling a little bit. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. I bet your, your beard is growing at even thicker at a quicker rate. Yeah. Yes. The, uh, winter spidey senses are kicking in. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What were you, what were you up to in Palm Springs? Um, a friend of mine uh, who lives in LA decided to have his bachelor party in Palm Springs. And so we, um, we rented this, uh, this place. And I, I shouldn't say it's just this place because it was actually uh, a movie stars old house. I don't know if you know the, um, he's an actor uh, named Alan Ladd, an old Western star. He was in this movie called Shane, I think was his most famous Western. But uh, yeah, we <laughs> somehow found his, his estate on, uh, on Verbo. And that's where we were uh, just hanging out in, you know, beautiful Palm Springs, uh, basically by the pool the whole weekend. And that was so awesome. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's a cool connection to make. Some old Western movie star. Like, was was the house decorated? I mean, at this point, it's it's obviously in Verbo, so I'm sure the interior design is a little bit different from when that person is living there. But was there any like specific aesthetic that you noticed that was relating to him? Oh yeah, there, I mean, <laughs> there were you know movie posters of him and. I think they did probably try and maintain some of the, uh, you know, 60s chic that um, was probably in fashion at around the time, you know, Alan Ladd was palling around there. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of mid-century modern um, Holly, you know, Hollywood vibes. I think Palm Springs, I don't know a ton about it, but my understanding is that it was sort of a um, little escape for the, um, you know, Hollywood stars to go get away from LA and uh, kind of seclude themselves. So it's this kind of like one level sprawling bungalow complex with uh, some palm trees. And um, yeah, I mean, kind of felt like I was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just a little bit. That is exactly what I was thinking of the entire time you were saying that. That's so right on. So right on. I think there's a line, a friend of mine was talking about um, a line from that movie where Brad Pitt's character, I think 
the character's name is Cliff mm-hmm. and uh, says something like, the only actor that matters is Alan Ladd or something like that. <laughs> um, and not knowing his movies, my understanding is like, he's kind of a tough guy, you know? I mean, I guess if you're in a Western movie, that's kind of the rugged leading man role you'd play at the time. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, a bit of a shock, um, you know, returning to uh, the cold and, you know, a couple inches of snow that's here. Yeah, yeah, I heard Minnesota got a couple of inches, so same story up in Duluth. Yeah, and, you know, Duluth is always maybe a few degrees colder and gets maybe just a little bit more snow. Um, So I'm still getting used to it. I'll come around eventually. Um, But, you know, having been in kind of a California dream world for the weekend, it's uh, it's been a little getting used to. It's taking a little getting used to. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're you're back beyond the wall. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, a quick thank you to you for hopping on the show. The songs that you picked out. I was very excited to get into them. As soon as I saw the list of the three, I'm like, all right, I used to listen to that all the time. That song I haven't heard in a while. This song I've heard a ton on the radio from a band that is very well known. So super stoked to get into it. But let's, yeah, let's start with Last Night by The Strokes. So let's let's stick it chronologically. Can you think of the first time that you heard this song? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember it pretty vividly um, because I, I think the first time I heard the song was catching their music video on MTV. And I, I must've been, you know, fifth or sixth grade or uh, 11 or 12 years old. Sorry, I got my scout barking in the background. Yeah, hey scout. Um, but yeah, it must've been around 11, 12 or 12 years old. And I remember the song came on um but the music video kind of matches the matches the vibe of the song it's kind of grainy it's meant to look old and kind of rugged and uh when i saw them it was like nothing i'd ever seen before you know on on mtv really it was um pretty raw i think it's just them performing live and um they just looked really different from um, and sounded really different from most of what I had seen on MTV, what I had heard on the radio. Um, and that really, you know, caught both my, my eye and my ear. And so um, that's, that's what I, I recall is seeing that music video um, first. And then, you know, from there, uh, I'm sure I got, the CD of is is this it, which you know maintains one to still one of my favorite favorite albums of all time. Nice, nice, and yeah. So, and speaking of MTV, so you heard this song, but but at that point, what like what was what were you playing? Like, what were you typically listening to around that time? Was 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 it other music that's in the same genre as the, as the Strokes? Or when you heard this song, you're like, whoa, this is like stepping out of the norm but this song rules. Yeah, I, more more so stepping out of the norm, I think for me. And I, I don't know, <laughs> I, I think this is maybe indicative of the power of 
that song for me, but it's like, I don't really know if I was intentionally listening to anything else. I mean, what I can tell you is that on, on the radio growing up in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, it was just a lot of, uh, I think what's come to be known today as butt rock. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty like, and, and like, I don't know. I don't mean to hate on people that um, enjoy that kind of like nineties rock post grunge thing, but mm-hmm. you know, there's like some Nickelback and yeah. some Creed and this like kind of brand of, uh, of radio rock that was just pretty boring. And, um, a little bit gross and so to like you know that's how I contextualize the strokes is like this kind of um I mean at that time I didn't didn't necessarily couldn't place them as like oh this is like an ode to like 70s New York rock I just knew they are different this sounds different and sounds way cooler than you know what I was hearing on the radio at that time um and Beyond that, I mean, I was probably, probably had some, uh, you know, listening to a lot, like having an older brother who had CDs, I was probably listening to a lot of what he was listening and, um, you know, plenty of like rap music, rock music, but I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you specifically what those would be. I just remember thinking, man, these strokes, they're they sound and look way different. Um, I didn't think it would be possible, you know, that you could sound like that, um, given the context of what was mostly pretty popular at that time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I definitely, I mean, I think I'm a couple years younger than you, but I definitely remember the songs you're describing as butt rock. And butt rock is a term I've definitely used a time <laughs> or two to describe those bands and the music. But um but even still, there's, you know, with the strokes, like, like you said, like they're, they were kind of surprising on the scene and what they were doing, especially yeah. that, that track specifically. It was, it was kind of like a young feeling track. It makes me think of like a, an angsty couple of teens in the garage, just like putting on a show for their, for their neighbors and trying to swoon the people that they had crushes on at school. Yeah, totally. I, I think that was, um, a big appeal of the song too, is that I don't think it was necessarily too complex of a song. The way it was recorded made it sound like, you know, this is a live recording, mm-hmm. like a garage band had made it. Um, and I think that continues to be a pretty endearing thing. And something I like in music is this feeling that you could play it or that um, you could learn how to play it. Um, and you know, I know that the song itself, if you, you hear it, you can confuse it with um, American Girl by Tom Petty, Petty pretty mm-hmm. easily. But uh, um, yeah, I remember like, oh, I could learn this. Uh, I could learn this beat on drums and learn it on guitar. And um, I mean, that doesn't really diminish the song in, in any way, but maybe enjoy it even more, I think. Yeah, because... There's, I mean, looking at professional musicians and, and professional athletes too, like we look at them, we sometimes idolize them and we think that they're so far away from anything we could ever be. And this song was very accessible in that sense, where it was just like, it's kind of like a simple rock beat for the drums. And just like, I think it's just like 
quarter notes on the chords of the guitar. It's just like, it's just driving. It's, it's simple, like you said. So it's very accessible. But you mentioned the drums and the guitar. And I know you as a drummer primarily, is playing the drums your first instrument or where, where did it kind of begin for you? You know, I think I probably, before I, I started playing the drums, I was probably dabbled in, in piano lessons and um, guitar lessons, which both of which I, I was just not a good student. And I think at being at that age, you sort of <laughs> rebel against those things, at least to some extent. But my brother had a drum set and I remember uh, friends of mine, like uh, one got a guitar, one got a bass. And I was like, hey, I've got a drum set in my basement. How about I learn that? Um, to just sort of, you know, round out where, uh, and really just have like a band, a makeshift kind of basement band. Um, so that's, that's, I think where I started like actually playing with other people um, is, is playing the drums and probably where I, I learned the most and um, was mostly self-taught, took a few lessons, but um again, most of it was just sort of out of necessity of like, uh, other people have these instruments, you have a drum set in your basement. So you're the drummer. Right. Yeah. Like this is your spot. So take it or you don't get to play with us. Pretty much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And what, and how old were you at that time? Uh, probably, you know, around the, the same age that I saw the video for last night, you know, I'm, I'm thinking early, early teens 12 12 13 right yeah that that tween age right right in the mix at sixth seventh grade ish that's when like and i feel like that's when socially there's like a little more competitiveness in school i mean when you think about like elementary school kids yes bullying exists there but i feel like fifth sixth seventh and eighth grade that middle middle school years is when people start to show like what they're good at like mm -hmm. kids that are skilled in something show up, whether it's like you're, you're an athlete or a musician, it really shows up. And so that's where that social pressure can come in too. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that's totally true. And, uh, you know, I, growing up in, in a small town, I think it's, uh, you know, I did get a lot of fulfillment from playing sports and, I think was uh, pretty athletic played, you know, when you're that age, you can play like, you know, three sports in a, in a year, uh, just given the different seasons you have. Um, but, you know, also having, having music as like a go-to uh, was really important as well. And I think like, you know, another way to probably, up your cool factor <laughs> in oh, yeah. school like so you know it's like and that's definitely a part of what i think of when i think of the strokes it's like these guys look cool and maybe that that's the most important thing <laughs> at the time yeah um, but that was that was definitely part of it yeah like i feel like in those years when we're young cool is like a currency and it's like we're always trying to get more or like it's like a yeah, like a social currency in a way. Well, after after hearing this song, after hearing last night, 
playing the drums, getting together with buddies and like kind of forming a thing. Did, did you decide to like dive a little bit more into the strokes or did it encourage you to listen to different kinds of music or more of the same to kind of like further your drumming, further your quote unquote coolness? I think with, with the strokes and probably with all these songs is if I could pick a thread is that they were kind of expanded my world. I, I think maybe most primarily in the sense that you were mentioning about uh, opening the door to like other, other artists and maybe they sounded, they sound similar or maybe it's just set me on a path of music discovery. But um, that's the way it definitely was with the strokes. I sort of like, I think to me and I think it makes sense that we're talking about that one first because that um, to me was was that sort of like musical awakening that uh, led me to have uh, the taste I have today, the like the records I have today. I don't know where I'd be with without that touchstone. And so I, I don't think that's uncommon for even for like this record specifically. I think um, people of a certain age, <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of them have a pretty similar experience um, with the Strokes being like the band that sort of like opened the door. I do remember probably shortly after um, I heard the Strokes, there were like a few other kind of throwback garage rock bands that you maybe remember, like the Hives and the Vines, you know, mm -hmm. these bands with like the, and with uh, kind of a cool factor. I, I do really love the hives and um, they're like another band that I kind of sought out after listening to the strokes um, really high energy kind of punk influenced rock music. Um, and so like, yeah, definitely immediately after I heard the strokes, I, I did look to uh, other, other kind of, bands records that might be coming out at that time that matched that and there was sort of like this little strokes bump uh with like more of those bands getting on mtv and um having songs on the radio and that kind of thing and i can't help but think about how music kind of takes us takes us in different places too and like you said it kind of opened up the doors for you you don't know where you'd be without those records when you listen to this song or if you put on this record Spotify, whatever your media might be. Um, when, you, when you listen to it now, present day, does it take you back to that time? And do you think about being in the garage playing with those, with those folks or listening to it now? It's like, oh yeah, there's that, that same old great rock beat. And it's just like, it's so ingrained that you don't really give it that kind of, or it doesn't elicit that kind of response anymore. No, I, I think it does kind of take me back to that time um, you know, it's sort of hard to detach that, that time from, from that song for me. And I think that happens in, with a lot of people, with a lot of songs. Um, so it, it definitely does take me back and, uh, you know, talk, thinking about <laughs> this weekend in Palm Springs, we actually heard it at a karaoke bar and I thought for sure it was my friend who's, um, who's like the biggest Strokes fan I know. And I thought he had put, put his name in, but it was some other um, gentleman that was singing it. And, um, and it was weird because it, it was just like a pretty different context 
for me. Um, hearing it there and sort of like having this other like vision of being in a um, this karaoke bar called the Retro Room in Palm Springs. Um, seeing this guy we didn't know, like, you know, rip one of these uh, a rendition of, of the song that um, is near and dear to me and most of my friends that were in Palm Springs. So that was super cool. That is, that's like a, it's like a sweet surprise for all of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. And, and so before, before picking it out for this, um, for this conversation, when was the last time you listened to it or does it, does it not really resurface for you all that often? You know, it, it doesn't resurface for me that often. Um, strangely, I feel like it's maybe reached that point um, in this, in my own musical canon <laughs> where sure, it's like, sure. uh, where, yeah, for, for whatever reason, doesn't, doesn't come up a ton. Um, and I mean, they're a band that's still active, that's still like making music. And I, I think my uh, attention probably goes to like, what are they up to now? What are they doing? Um, even though I think, you know, is the set is, is probably the best thing they've ever done. Mm. Well, I'll make sure to tell them that the next time I see them, I'm sure they'll appreciate the yeah. comment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they probably get that all the time, um, to be honest. And, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I don't mean it disparagingly because, you know, even in spite of that, uh, I can appreciate what they're, what they're doing now. And even if their records don't sound like they did back then, I, I do appreciate the, the growth and kind of them trying to do different, um, something different with their sound. Yeah. Yeah, I love thinking about artists that way where like they, I mean, just just like everybody else that isn't creating beautiful auditory art, they have segments and these timestamp milestone moments in their lives and in their careers where in this little snapshot, when this song came out, like you said, they were doing something a little different than they usually do. Fast forward three years, we may have discovered something that is entirely different than that sound. And you wouldn't be able to recognize it unless the, the DJ over the radio said who it was. So it's pretty cool to see the growth, the progression, just like the path that they take as, as artists. Yeah, totally. And I mean, again, not, I don't think totally uncommon with bands that are together for a while, but I know each of the members of, of the Strokes kind of have gone off and made time for solo projects or other other bands and it's cool to hear what they will pull into a new strokes record based on that solo project um, or just stuff there you can tell they're interested in um, at the time so you know that's a fun fun little storyline to follow as well it is yeah like you can like if you know what to look for you can kind of peek behind the curtain of what they're thinking about and what they're what they're attempting to do with right. their sound well, let's let's skip on over to the next track, which is is one that I circle back to like periodically. Like it's actually kind of like I think out of all the songs that have come up on this show so far, this is the one that is actually like almost like a regular for me. But I'm very excited to to see or actually to hear 
how this shows up for you. So the song is 93 Till Infinity by Souls of Mischief, early 90s hip hop. This song is an absolute jam. But so we go from the strokes to early 90s hip hop. Yeah. So, 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 so talk to me about where we're going with this. So what was going on in Wade's life when this song like flipped a switch? Well, I think I was maybe a few years older now, but like uh, fully a teen now, not just a tween, but Oof. probably like big step. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my friends and I, many of, of those that I played music with, uh, surprise, surprise, we were also into skateboarding. And I remember uh, a friend of mine bought this skate video. I can't remember what it was, but it was like at this um, funny little sports store <laughs> that like had a few, like a few skateboard decks, a few um, skateboard accessories. And then there was like this weird, like skateboard uh, film on DVD. And my friend bought that and we like watched it. And I think generally like, that's where I've, I've found actually a lot of good music is listening to and watching those skate videos. But uh, 93 Till Infinity is one su such song where, you know, I, I heard it and, um, and was like, just loved, the swagger of it. I loved the, especially paired with like, um, you know, guys doing like really awesome skateboard tricks. Yeah. I mean, um, and so like, I mean, you, you see and hear those things and it was, I guess maybe somewhat similar to, to the strokes in that you're like, I want that. I want that feeling. Um, and yeah, I think in that context at that time, I was probably listening to like pretty, uniformly listening to like punk rock music, like not the strokes, like, you know, listening to kind of fast skate punk. And um, so I heard that and I was like, yeah, I love, I, I love the smooth and um, vibey sound of, of that beat and the wordplay that was going on over the top of the track was amazing. Um, and to think that this was like, you know, cause the song places itself instantly, like <laughs> 93 yeah. till infinity, um, just sort of like, yeah, it, it transported me, you know, it's like, I think where the strokes were like, you know, you can think of them kind of being a group that can transport you to like New York in a certain time. I feel like souls of mischief, that song, you know, though I didn't know it at the time, it's like, this is the, um, the sort of like uh, San Francisco, uh, or my understanding is like Bay Area hip hop scene. Um, and so it was like, you know, sort of transporting me to like imagining that scene and carrying me away from my, you know, my tiny little Midwestern town. Yeah, super transformative. It's yeah, can whisk whisk you away. Yeah, it's. I mean, we sent it over earlier today. I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna listen to this like three times in a row for for the purposes of the show, but also like it's just a damn good song. But totally, yeah. And I should ask, like, what what is your 
experience with the song? Do you remember when, when you first heard it? Hmm. That's tough. That's tough because I think there was about two years ago, and this actually might help frame up the story. So I was born in January of 92, which means that this song came out not that far after. And some of you may be surprised out there, but as a one-year-old baby, I didn't really listen to music intentionally and with any sort of <laughs> skill. I just didn't have that yet. Um, but, but two years ago, I was just like, I got into a 90s hip hop groove. And it's probably like the summer of 2019, I think it was. And I was looking around Spotify. I found this playlist that's curated by Spotify called I Love My 90s Hip Hop or I Love 90s Hip Hop. And I'm like, okay, cool. A couple of good songs I recognize here. And I went through and this, and this popped up. And I was like, oh, wait, this sounds like that song by Rick Ross because Rick Ross sampled this. And I went back and I'm like, wait, it, like it's the same thing. So my history with it is that I know it from a Rick Ross track that came out in like 2012 or something. And then I, yeah, and then I went back and listened to this. And I'm like, holy shit, like this is the real deal. And then present day, it doesn't really make me think of Rick Ross and that track as much, but it just, it's similar to you. Like the, the vibey sway, it's, it's the epitome of cool. Like they sound like the guys you look up to when you're young. Like I just like, I want to be them. And yeah, like the swagger, you, you hit it right on the head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I, I love that you mentioned that too. Cause like I'm realizing, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that souls of mischief sampled it, you know, from a record before then, but like what, Probably. what a, what a story, you know, that the song kind of lives on, even though, again, that song is like very kind of time specific, 93, 1993. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did, they did warn us it is till infinity. So they gave, True. Us, a, they gave <laughs> us a heads up. Yeah. It's a song that you just want to drive around to, you know? Yeah. Great driving song. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when this one, when this came out or when, when you first heard this song, I should say, um, was there anybody else that was there or like, was it a song that makes you think of other people that you, you would get like kind of hyped with maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely that kind of friend group of mine that was into playing music, into skateboarding, um, you know, it, it totally makes, makes me think of that and this one even maybe has more kind of memories tied up in that time um of like i think at that time we had one of our friends that was able to drive and so i, I remember listening to music in his car and driving you know to uh skate spots which were few and far between in in fergus falls and yeah listening to music and I don't know, you know, just goofing off more or yeah. less. Um, and so I, I definitely think of, of that friend group and it, um, I think in a lot of ways we are kind of like all having our, our minds and music tastes expanded a little bit by like watching these, um, these skate videos. I think like we are really wishing that we could be like those professional skateboarders, but like, um, on a subconscious level, it's like, I, I do think it really uh, 
and uh, and on a conscious level, I think it informed a lot of our our music sensibilities from there. Yeah, and I and I and I go back to what you mentioned before and how it kind of like took you to the Bay Area. I think I think specifically, I think in the song they mentioned from they're from East Oakland. I think in like the opening ten seconds or something like that. Right, but. But like you, I'm also from a rural small town in the Midwest. And so I totally know what you mean by like hanging with the the one friend who got their license first, listening to music, driving around, just like literally finding something to get interested in doing or messing around with. Because it's a small town, it's not exciting. And that's what you do. You just like make stuff out of something. But but I think like I just I think it's just so fascinating that hearing this song in the places that you and I grew up in, a very rural, um, pretty homogenized and so it takes you to a different place and like you're hearing hearing young black people in California and for me and where I grew up like that just wasn't a thing like I didn't like the only, the only like auditory culture I would get of black culture was on the radio and so right. and so there I can think of people like Outkast when in 2003 the Love Below speaker box the double album that came out and I was like okay I felt like the like my black identity like grew stronger by 10 points when I got to yeah. a double album. It was, it was kind of magical. And this song, like the young Benny Collins, like this song kind of does that again, because it does show me a world that I didn't really know existed, which is, which is cool. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I've been like thinking about that, the context in which I you know, stumbled upon 93 till infinity. Um, I think they're sort of, that scene is like thought of as like underground rap or mm-hmm. um, at the, at the time I, I kind of, that's how I, I placed that. I think on the radio, you would have heard like um, rap of a certain brand um, and on MTV, but to think of like these cool, like in Outcast is a good example where, you know, they're like probably considered pretty underground, but like hyper-specific to Atlanta, um, these like regionally specific um, rap groups that like had amazing stuff. And that like really opened my mind to that, that whole underground, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, 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 that's a pretty maybe outmoded term now, but at the time that's, that's definitely how I thought of it just because, um, it was again pretty different from what I was seeing on TV, what uh, was on the radio at that time. And again, like I love a lot of those jams too, but um, this was just so so different. And I loved how like the relaxed cool of it. Um, again, the the swagger of it was just like a little bit more my sensibility at the time. I think there was like pretty in your face, um, mm-hmm. sometimes violent music. And um, not that that's not in, you know, uh, the souls of mischief stuff, but <laughs> it was like just something, something about it was pretty sophisticated, I think. Yeah. And it was very, I find it very authentic too, where like, if, if this song was, was a human being, the, the human being would be like, yeah, so this is me F off. Like this is this is this is who I am. Like either you either enjoy it or you don't. Take it or leave it, and it's it's unapologetic in that way. But present day, when's the last time you listened to this song before thinking about it for this? 
think I, what I remember is just hearing it at a, at a house party where, you know, like today it's mostly someone with an aux cable connecting it to their phone. But I, I feel like yes. I remember being at a house party where there was like, um, I don't, I don't think he, the DJ was like actually spinning records. He had one of those like setups where, I don't know, they have like the little disc tables. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I, I would have to look up what it's called, but you can like, it looks like a DJ setup. There are two, two like turntable things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put on 93 till infinity. And I loved, you know, hearing that. I hadn't heard it for a long time at that point. I don't think that anybody really, really like anyone else really cared. It wasn't like a huge party, but <laughs> I was definitely into it. It's one of those situations where you go up and you just like talk to the DJ kind of, I mean, you know, you, when you like you and I are doing now, like realizing that we've heard the same song and know it well enough to like play it. Um, one of those kind of situations. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't help, I can't help but fanboy a little bit. It's just, it's just rad. There was one very specific question I was going to ask, and now it's fleeting me. I lost it. Went to the breeze. Well, if it comes back to you, we can okay. spin. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you at two fifty three a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> Wade, I've got a question for you. <laughs> yeah, um, do it. I'd, I'd be happy to. You can cut that in. Yeah, to yeah. The, uh, the audio. Yeah, good old easy edits. Easy edits. Oh, actually, I found it. I found it. I found it. I got yes. the question. So thinking about with with music and some songs, it gives us like a very visceral reaction where within the first like four bars, we're just like, oh, there it is. Like there's the track. Does this song do that for you? And if so, what are like some of the, the things you notice like within your body and within your mood after it goes on or it just it flips on for you know four bars i think it makes me want to skateboard again again and i haven't done that in a really long time but it yeah. like i think that that's still a part of it for me it's like uh and i wish i i can't wish i could remember that skateboard if i remembered it better i'm sure i would have like the opening um couple of tricks like very clearly in my head um but it's weird. I do. I think I have kind of like a, a visceral feeling of like uh, wanting to go skateboard and like, again, skateboard in some stupid parking lot in Fergus Falls yeah. <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Some, some hollowed out Kmart. Yeah. Or Pomida, I, I think. Was... <laughs> Pomida. Oh, man. <laughs> Did you have Pomida? We didn't. I, I've never met her, but I mean, we had other, we had other, we had, I'm sure we had Pomida adjacent, even though I don't even know what Pomida is. What is yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty generic general, general store. Um, okay. It closed a while ago, you know, like story of a lot of small towns and became a shop co. And now I think is like, yeah, something else, but <laughs> now it's a no co. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we had, I mean, we had, I know in Wisconsin, Piggly Wiggly, that's a thing, but, but we, but my hometown never had it. We had like a Jubilee and a Jamboree, which is just like, 
they almost sound like they're from the same grocery store family. Like one is yeah, the j- j- Jamboree is the younger child. <laughs> um, and Papa, Papa Jubilee, Jubles, they called him. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right, I think that's enough. That's enough grocery store talk. I'm not too We gotta we gotta put that to bed. That's, that's what, another podcast. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the <laughs> that's the next one. That's that's our next venture. When you're whenever you're done with Sweet Blood, that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I'm I'm happy to get started on that. Okay. Before that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining the conversation that you're gonna have with Claire. Honey, I'm gonna need some extra time this weekend. Uh, got a new project. <laughs> yeah, it's a podcast about uh, <laughs> old general stores <laughs> with funny names. Oh. I think there's something there, but yeah, we'll table yeah. it for now. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's yeah let's let's get to the checkout aisle on that. <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's enough. Let's go to the <laughs> let's go to the next song. I think this is this is a great one. Um, a great artist that brings in pretty different mood and feelings and tones from the strokes and souls of mischief. Artist is Frank Ocean. The song is solo. And just talk about a, a heartful song. There's so much emotion in this in in, in all of frank's music like it's it's flat out beautiful i don't know if anybody could say otherwise about anything that frank creates but but yeah what uh when did you first hear this song i think you know whenever this record blonde came out i i listened to it immediately i think there was just lots of excuse me there was lots of hype around it just because channel orange you know, amazing as well in its own right. But, yep. um, and I think Frank Ocean is like, my understanding is continues to be like kind of mysterious and there's just a lot of hype about when he'd release another record. And so people, you know, music journalists, bloggers, I think were palpably excited about the album. And so like, I too was, was really pumped. And so I, I think like, when it first came out, I listened to it. Um, there are some singles that that were great and I still love. But when I heard this song, just listening through the album sequentially, you know, it it blew me away. And um, I don't have a, a ton of songs that will make me feel that way, like kind of like that could make me um, nearly tear up or... Uh, sort of make me sit still and listen in that way but that's what it was you know solo was that song on this record um was is a standout track for me and um and yeah pretty different i think from a lot of the music i was listening to at that time and even music i listen to now it's all about um pretty standard like rhythm section groove like a good bass line which i know you love um and i think frank ocean does have some great songs like that but this one is just um you know true to the song name kind of has this stripped down lonely vibe to it and that organ um 
organ sound like really gets me. There's something gospel-y um, about it. And that like the way it fits in with that, that record is really cool because I, a lot of it seems really confessional, like really personal. Um, and so all of that like really culminates super well in that song. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, so a lot of what you mentioned were things I was thinking about when I listened to the, listened to it in the car four times in a row this afternoon, the gospel, the stripped down feel, how it's just ultra simple. Like there, there's so much space that he leaves in there. And for me, and, and probably for a lot of people, and maybe for you, that's what can really elicit some of those heavy, lonely feelings that do get you close to coming to tears. And I mean, I think thinking about it, I think I may have cried to a Frank Ocean song once, I can't remember, but it's, yeah, it's just like so raw and emotionally powerful in such a, in like a very gentle way. And I think this is very much a yes and situation where you can have both. It can be raw and powerful and it can be gentle. And he just goes to the pedal, pedal to the metal on both. But speaking of like the, the gospel piece and the organ, are you religious? Did you grow up in a church? Like, did that ring true in any way? <laughs> you know, I, uh, I did grow up mostly going to church, uh, like Lutheran Scandinavian <laughs> church, which had nothing, uh, you know, I, there's like a kind of traditional Swedish Lutheran music tradition, but that was not, you know, uh, I think what, what I was hearing on the Frank Ocean record was like pretty different from, um, from kind of the, the gospel music I was around. Um, and so, yeah, it's like another one of those areas where um, it's sort of, I think that specific part of, of that track really transports me, you know, to a, a different place. Um, just cause wasn't really a part of, um, of my upbringing, even though I, I did grow up to going to church, just obviously a very, very kind of different church going experience. Yeah. And, and, and does this song, you, you said it did, it does kind of take you to another place. Do you ever listen to it intentionally to intentionally take you to that other place or to like shift your mind in any way? Yeah. I feel like there's some sort of emotional release for me and I, I don't know uh I don't know specifically like what it is because I think that's taken different shapes I think right now it's easy to like hear this song and listen to it especially in the context of the pandemic and being a alone um or like feeling alone um and I think there's something you know something strong about that in this song that like really gets me is like it sort of gets at this loneliness and and you um and even though it's really what i perceive to be like pretty personal lyrics um the sounds of it like the there's this like universal feeling of of like feeling alone together with frank or something yeah that is super cool and so i will i think i listen to it like specifically for that, for this, like, I don't know, channeling <laughs> feelings of, of loneliness, even though like, I don't consider myself a, um, a lonely person necessarily. But it's, it's just so fascinating how, how it can 
it can do that for a person. And I, and I totally agree. Like it, it does kind of feel like when listening to it, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but it kind of feels like you're sitting with Frank and he's just like ripping out his heart and showing it to you in like a, an incredibly vulnerable way. Yeah, totally. I, the, like that's the, I, and I love listening to the, the verses, like his, his cadence and the delivery of like what seemed to be like almost journal journal-like entries um and of course like the chorus comes and like i love those lines a lot and there's like something kind of comforting about it i think there's like a a line that's inhale in hell there's heaven um Mm -hmm. and i again like that seems very uh very relevant um to our you know pandemic stricken times and so like that's really a really cool dichotomy too. It's like, and his, I, I mean, his voice sounds great on the whole song, but it really kind of soars uh, at that chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think right around that chorus too, there's, there's, I'm trying to put my finger on it. It's almost the way the verse goes, it is almost spoken as if it's like a nursery rhyme in a way. And then, it, and then the chorus sits right on top and it's just like it's very playful but it's still very like emotionally real and kind of serious yeah it's it sounds like a nursery rhyme to me so it's playful but it's just like yep you're still you're still got me like a fish frank you're still making me feel a lot of stuff right now and love you for it it's hard but i love you for it yeah there is something kind of like playful and almost self deprecating about about some of that some of the those early lyrics um and but so so relatable you know like uh the way you kind of replace situations in your mind like after the night is a night is over and Mm. you know you're kind of thinking about it in a paranoid way and that to me really comes through as well is this song that you come back to every once in a while or what's the, what's the play counter look like for this? It is. I, I do come back to this song and um, not, not on like a daily basis or like, I, I really don't have like a routine with it. It's not on a Spotify playlist of mine. It's just like mm. uh, something I, I will like revisit. I think maybe like, when it comes up that I need some sort of like emotional release and not that this is the only song that does that for me. I think music does that for, um, for you given whatever mood you're in or, or what you need to, you know, uh, to release. And so, yeah, whenever kind of, I feel like the song will do the trick for me or like, I need to like, (laughs) you know, maybe have like, a crying adjacent moment or something where I need to release. I feel like this song comes up and, um, and it still works. It's still kind of like, is, is really powerful for me. It's not something I, I feel like I can just put on, you know, like it almost feels like one of those songs where to put it on like a Spotify playlist would, would like not be a dignified thing to do in a way, you know, it's like, this is not something for my workout playlist, 
this is something I listen to pretty intentionally and I sit there and I listen to it. Um, and again, not a, like a ton of records like that for me, but uh, this is one of them for sure. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I, I, have, I have a song that, that I have that same thing with where like, I don't intentionally not put it on a playlist, but I come back to it individually because it does so much for me. But I think in, in with what you said about having like a, a crying adjacent moment, it's so important to have a moment of any kind, like just an intensely emotional moment. And it's so great that music can help us get to that point and kind of just like shepherd us into that and then out of it. Like there's, there's like an induction phase, phase and then there's the phase where you kind of blend and flow out of it. And this song has all of the components to help make that kind of like perfect and very unique. And, and it, may, it may be different every single time too. You know, there may be <clears throat> an emotional time where you listen to it and you're, you're listening to it for a very specific reason, but then six months later, you're also maybe having another lonely day or an, just a, a bummer of a day for whatever reason, but it kind of like hits a different spot that it didn't before, which is, which is pretty fascinating is that you just get so much, so much mileage out of it. Yeah. One hearing you talk about it, I, the word like meditation comes up for me. It's like sort of a yeah. meditation of its, um, of its, of its own. Just yeah, putting that song on, um, and I think there's something to that. And again, like the that feeling probably has come up um, to like the need to hear this song has has definitely come up in you know throughout this this pandemic. I think as well, uh, even though this was released what 2016, you know, right. it predates that. Yeah, man, 2016. I mean, that was a, a whole year in and of itself. But yeah. But but I mean, thinking about your identity that you hold as as a musician and as a creator, as an artist, do you use any of these three songs to prepare you for creating music or after the creation of music or anything like that? You know, I feel like this just blonde in general, that the whole album, I, I get a lot, a lot of inspiration from because a lot of it has this like, this personal quality to it. And I know he, I think Frank Ocean worked with like a lot of talented musicians um, on it, but you can tell it's like really personal and, and kind of homespun in this way. And so like, I think if I'm ever in a position where I, I'm worried about not being able to do something or feeling like I need someone else to like help me with something. I try and revisit this record because I think a lot of it um, is pretty like, again, pretty self-made homespun and some of it's like off the cuff and deeply personal and that can be good. Um, it's like a reminder of, you know, the thing that you do yourself can take on this like, really unique quality and uh this album is is like a pretty big testament to that i think absolutely yeah if anything it makes me think about just when you're describing that it makes you think about an artist's signature or a musician's signature and frank fully shows that and expresses that with this and it may introduce that concept to to you or other listeners that are like 
this is a song called Solo. It is incredibly personal. It gives these lonely tones and go ahead and use it as inspiration for your own solo thing because it can be done. And like, yeah, it's just such a, it's an example. He set an example. And I think that's so, and it, it's very well possible he didn't even mean to. I mean, knowing Frank, he's probably just pouring his heart out because no one can do it like he can. And he's right. just an exceptional, exceptional person in that way. But if we were to do our research, we could very well see it maybe a slight shift in music that was produced and came out in 2016 after Blonde came out. I'd be yeah. very, very curious to see like what was like what kind of tremors did the earth feel after Blonde? Totally. I think you're you're totally right. I you know, not not that this wasn't happening happening before Blonde was released, but it sort of fits in nicely with um, a lot of people like myself, like bedroom artists that, you know, get a little studio set up. And I I love the sounds on Blonde and they sound amazing. And also kind of, again, like raw and personal and like, you know, the best take he could get was maybe just in some some room there's like this nice nexus of that record being released and feeling personal and like probably inspiring um again people like me but a lot of like artists that are maybe just making lonely songs <laughs> in their bedroom and yeah. can record them and they can do do this and um so i think about that a lot i another artist that like comes to mind with that I think with that sort of approach to music is is Blood Orange is like um, makes like a lot of different types of music but does it in a, like a pretty raw personal way and maybe doesn't have like a recording studio but nonetheless makes really well done music yeah yeah there's there's, there's an impressiveness to the simplicity and whether it's stripped away or if it's highly produced, there's still just an impressiveness that folks can achieve when they have that slimmed down type of setting in a studio in a, in a room, but they put together an absolute masterpiece. And like, that's, that's beautiful. I think that's amazing. And I, it makes you think about, like, I remember seeing this picture of Getty Lee from Rush and he's, he's sitting or he's standing and leaning over this this studio desk, like there's, I mean, it's like the eighties and there's the analog machines in the eighties. They had like 17 billion sliders on it for the slightest modifications and, yeah. and shaping <laughs> of tones. And it's like, it looks like it's from the, like the Millennium Falcon or the USS Enterprise. Like there's just so many controls to it. That's great. And I think it's amazing when artists can use all this type of, all these types of equipment to create these masterpieces, but it's just, I don't know. I think it's just so beautiful and wonderful when they can, when folks can create something with just like a couple pieces of tech and like a drum machine and like a couple of just beautiful chords on a guitar. And it's just simple. Like yeah. That's, that's just so impressive. Totally. Like less, I, less can be so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, what you're saying in regards to the blonde and just like that, approach is making me think of other other times where that's worked for like um a, like pretty well-known artists I th i'm thinking of like johnny cash his cover of hurt i think is like pretty stripped down i think 
Rick Rubin was maybe responsible for recording that, but mm. like just set up a microphone at Johnny Cash's house, had him like play these songs. Um, and that one just has like guitar and, and piano and like the, um, you know, Johnny Cash has by then like pretty, pretty grizzled, but like amazing voice. Um, so it's making me think of that too, is like, it really kind of like can be the right thing for, for the artist to do, even if the artist themselves maybe wouldn't think to do that. Um, which is of course, you know, where a good producer comes in handy. Absolutely. Having that other, that other vantage point, that other site. Yeah. There's, there's a bit, the basis that I really like, his name is Michael League. He's from Starkey Puppies, the band leader. I was watching his video one time. He's talking about how he uses pedals when he plays. And he says he doesn't use a pedal just because he has it and it has a cool sound. He can use it. He, he uses it because in that moment, he uses it because it would be inappropriate not to use it for that moment in that song. Mm. It's like, it's like the song needed the pedal at that moment. So that's why he chose to use it. Like it was musically totally. appropriate. And I love that perception and that viewpoint of it instead of just like, Oh, I've got all these rad toys. Let's beep, beep, beep. Let's put all these sliders in. Yeah. It's like, it's like calm, like take, take a, take a breath, take a minute. Like this, sounds cool but like doesn't necessarily make sense for what we're creating here totally and that's a very easy trap to fall into <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> it's fun to tinker it's fun to tinker oh yeah yes yeah that's great well i i want to say at least thank you specifically for this song for like reigniting my interest in listening to blonde again it's been several years since i've taken a stroll through that whole album so i know what i'm doing either later tonight or tomorrow. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for, uh, you know, allowing me to revisit it. It's like thinking about it a bit more. It's like one of those ones that has enough, enough emotional heft where it's like, Ooh, I can only do this, you know, yeah. once, once a month or something <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun because as I was saying with like last night and really all these songs, it's like, they've, they've just sort of will have a place in my heart, but in a way it's like, they're not on my, like, you know, in my daily music routine, which is now kind of dictated by Spotify playlists, which is great. But all of these songs kind of predate that, you know, hold this very like dear, um, dear place. And in, you know, the playlist of my heart <laughs> absolutely and i mean that's i feel like that's just like a good way to sum up what this show is is trying to be about is like what's the what's the playlist that people hold in their hearts that means so much to them so totally i will i will give you royalties for that phrase we'll talk about it when we uh, discuss you know now defunct grocery stores yeah 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 we'll have to come up with a name with that i'll, I'll do some thinking on my end i'll let you know <laughs> well i think we're, we're, we're running up on that time um one thing i like to put out for folks at the end is just presenting the option if there's anything that you're currently excited about that you're either working on or not working on or if there's any just general words of wisdom that you want to share out to the the masses listening. Awesome. 
Well, I, I'm always, you know, working on music. I, I write and record my own music under the name Sweet Blood and, um, you know, maybe a couple of months ago did a, a residency in, in my hometown, um, which was super fun, but I'm, I'm working on currently working on a few tracks that are inspired by, um, the history of Fergus Falls, the, uh, history of that place as told through, um, the local newspaper. Um, and so, which is also kind of tied up in my, in my family history. And so that's something I've been working on quite a bit, um, and hope to, to release, you know, uh, hopefully early next year. And so I'm excited to be, you know, working on that and also to revisit some of these like touchstones um, that we discussed today. Cause it's sort of a good way to like ground myself in the music I like and the approaches I like to music, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm working on. And I'm happy to, you know, be holed up in a little home studio, especially, with uh, this pandemic still unfortunately raging on yeah absolutely that and it's you know it's it's the first week of december in northern minnesota that's right <laughs> enough said like that's it that's the tweet so <sighs> well a big thank you to you wade for hopping on uh, especially on short notice but for sharing the songs like i said with with solo bringing it back into my life i'm excited to get back into those and listen and and feel some stuff that's yeah that's, man that's how that's how it works that's how it works uh again super fun being on the show and love i love talking about this stuff and um yeah i'm excited to keep listening to the podcast and we'll no doubt like have a few songs to check out and and enter into the playlist of my heart <laughs> exactly. as i continue listening but yeah great talking to you you too wade take care later mm-hmm.